when the Family First legislation passed, for Washington, D.C., we didn't feel it was going to be a heavy lift. One, because of our standing um, relationship and partnership with the collaboratives for 20 plus years. And so we as a district had the infrastructure in place. Uh, we wouldn't have to necessarily go out and find community partners. They were already here. That was Robert Matthews with the District of Columbia's Child and Family Service Agency talking about the Family First Prevention Services Act. The legislation is a historic shift toward providing primary prevention services intended to strengthen families and reduce the placement of children and youth into foster care. You'll hear more from him in this episode of the podcast series, How We Partner with Community to Improve Service Options. I'm Betsy Lerner with the Capacity Building Center for States. We know agencies are always working to find ways to better support the families and communities they serve, but we were curious. As an agency works to develop a more collaborative service array, one that's responsive to families and youth, what strategies are helping them change their organizational culture to support putting families at the center of their work? Take a listen to episode six. You've heard about how the Child and Family Service Agency in the nation's capital has developed and sustained collaborative partnerships, created a framework for change, and used data and stakeholder input to improve their practices. In this episode, we'll investigate how the agency and their partners work together to ensure services focus on primary prevention. You'll hear about their strategies to coordinate service planning and delivery, to be culturally responsive to the community, and provide seamless services to families. Across the country, child welfare systems are devising plans to lay out how they will respond to family-first legislation. The plan submitted by DC's Child and Family Service Agency was the first in the nation to be approved by the Children's Bureau. Robert Matthews and Natalie Craver, leaders for DC CFSA, talk about how they worked with community collaboratives, sister agencies, and service providers to develop the plan. Part of their overall framework is to narrow their front door by preventing unnecessary removal of children from their families. They envision primary prevention as services beyond the front door, describing them as front porch or front yard services. I asked Robert about the collaboratives. They also, even before this legislation was passed, had always messaged the need to go further upstream and how can we as a system uh, create processes for families that may not come to the attention of child welfare agency but by chance have risk factors that over time, if not really intervened or supported, could. So they've actually always been there and to me, very incrementally and gradually have been trying to push the system in a way where we needed to do this, whether we have the legislation or not. 
So we have a continuum even outside of the front door of services, and our providers understand that if if there if there's been some engagement, it's part of the front porch. If there's no engagement at all, you're in our front yard, and we want to keep you as far away from the front door as possible over time. As we engage in different conversations, folks know about what are the front yard services going to look like in the future. So we're we're definitely having those conversations and the 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 language we use and how we continue to. Uh, make that a part of our ongoing meetings and our partnerships that's been um, and is a huge part of even how we've built our family first prevention plan is that our services are really grounded around our front door services, our front porch services, and our front yard services. One of the strategies to coordinate those services is co-locating staff in the community. I asked Robert how that worked. The collaboratives who've been in the community definitely understood the advantage of having CFSA co-located with them, but trying to get the buy-in of staff was a little challenging initially. But over time, they've seen that if this is where families go, they feel reluctant to come to CFSA, the Child Welfare Agency, because of the very nature of what they believe or perceive our role is. Some perceive child welfare just in general as, you're going to take my baby away or take my child away, versus going to another building or another organization to feel like, I feel like you're here to support me. So why not jointly have a conversation and dialogue with these families in an environment where they feel safe, where they don't feel like I have to come and be defensive. And so that was really the push behind it. And over time, now our workers feel that that environment now is safe for them but it also makes their job a bit more easier because they can better engage families where they feel safe. My name is Julie Daza. I am a supervisory social worker here at Child and Family Services Agency, and I am co-located at Collaborative Solutions for Communities. I think it's a constant work in progress. There are definitely times that we get it right. There are definitely times we get it right. And at the same time, um, one of the benefits of being in the community is that you you really get to know your partners. We are in the heart of Columbia Heights, which um, historically has been an immigrant area of D.C. and very heavily Latino populated. It's always the right place to be for my work as well as uh, the team's work as uh, there are two bilingual staff members that I work with now. And in addition, the collaborative has uh, a significant bilingual population. When I started, I truly advocated to be in a Latino community. I'm bilingual in Spanish and I had a lot of knowledge with the immigrant communities and just being able to communicate in a language that was familiar was my passion. I always thought about, for immigrant populations, really not knowing the system or knowing who to trust per se, and being able to say, well, you can contact so-and-so at this organization and we can call them right now to see if they can meet with you. It just gave a more uh, fluid sense and uh, supportive to the families that they could connect and hopefully build that trust with another provider. So. One of the things that I've always enjoyed about being in the community is that with the Latino families, they really already knew the collaborative. So even though they might have started working with CFSA because of abuse or neglect, 
I would say, well, my office is located at the Collaborative. Are you familiar? And then absolutely. I think being a close-knit community, you know a lot of people, and families know a lot of people. Oh, you were referred to this program. Well, who referred you? And, you know, they start communicating. And, and, and then an unintended benefit at times is you have these, I'm thinking of a few moms that I worked with, that they built a relationship, a supportive relationship, you know, having been referred to a program, and they started communicating, and they became, you know, their own little village, which was definitely a benefit. Each one of the collaborative hubs responds to the unique needs of its community. They provide a wide variety of prevention services for families who live in the community. Services like crisis intervention, life skills and workforce development, parenting empowerment, adolescent services, fatherhood support, youth activities. You get the picture. A lot of services that help to strengthen families so that they can thrive. Sheriff Dean Ibrahim is their deputy director. What makes East River very unique and I think what, what makes us kind of stand out is we have a full cradle to seniors model at East River. Uh, fully, we serve the entire family. So from, from infant to toddlers to youth to adults to seniors, we have the whole umbrella of uh, programming available and supports. Um, many of the work of the collaboratives pretty much derives out of case management. Um, and from that case management uh, umbrella, we tackle so several needs you know, of homes and of families. Housing typically comes up. We're not a housing program. We don't have a housing program, but we tend to provide supports around housing with um, first month's rent, utility assistance. Um, we, we get a lot of needs around food assistance, transportation. Um, then we also have a uh, referral and linkages supports where we, we link families to you know, behavioral health services, substance abuse services. What East River is really big and proud of is our parenting supports that we currently are providing also for families in Ward 7. Uh, we use an evidence-based model for our parenting program and supports for residents and, and, and uh, community members who attend our parenting workshops. We also uh, work with families around financial literacy. Two years ago, CFSA actually uh, gave us the opportunity to work with families on a special project called Safe Sleep DC, uh, which was really tackling child infant mortality in DC. And that became something that we did for the past two years, and we've continued to uh, take that on uh, after the funding ended for that. So uh, uh, we have an expansive list of programming and supports. Uh, but typically, really comes from of, uh, comes from our flex funding that we get from CFSA to connect and provide support to those families so that they can get ahead of these situations before it becomes uh, a dire matter necessarily. Here's Natalie Craver again, talking about planning for and coordinating the broad array of prevention services that are needed to support strong families and strong communities. In our plan, we really, we've talked about how our services go beyond just what is part of the legislation currently and how uh, between our other prevention services, which we recognize not every intervention for a family is going to be the right fit as a fidelity monitored EBP and that we have some services that in place that are kind of a hybrid of taking an evidence-based intervention and how over time it's evolved in practice with the collaboratives where they're seeing they can put two different models together and it works really well. 
So as we were developing our plan, it was really grounded around looking at service utilization at the collaboratives where we do have some evidence-based interventions already in place and we're already doing some of this work and our sister agencies have a number of practices that are part of their core mission and their core work that are supported on the initial list of clearinghouse to be rated services. One of those agencies is the District of Columbia Department of Health. Vanetta Freeman is their early childhood division chief. Her role is to ensure that families that are prenatal or have children ages zero to five, have the supports and services that they need to be healthy and ready for school. In my current role, our partnerships primarily focus around home visiting and ensuring how we can link families to um, supports that's going to help them increase their, skill, their parenting skills and their parent-child interaction. And that relationship has been in place for at least the last three years. When um, CFSA, our, the federal agency, first put out an application for ACF to rethink the Title IV waiver for um, child welfare agencies, one of the initiatives that was written into that grant application was home visiting. And so they immediately reached out to the Department of Health, as we are the lead agency for home visiting, to figure out how could we collaborate. And so we also had a federal um, grant, and we didn't want to duplicate services, but really align and blend how we could leverage both funding opportunities to serve families. So that really was the first um, opportunity to say how can we leverage the federal opportunities but not duplicate services and really align the work and then really figure out who has the expertise to do what aspects of the work. So that's really how the relationship began. So from the very beginning both agencies knew that it was critical to have the service provider at the table and understand their systems and how they engage families and the implications that it would mean for families and for our agencies. Because as we all know, when you have federal funding, you still have reporting, but ultimately the purpose of the funding is to serve families. So we brought the agencies to the table and really collaboratively develop process flows, referral um, forms. We try to remove um, barriers. Um, we have monthly calls to talk about what's going well, what's not going well. Um, but the family shouldn't know that this is a government-ran program. They do know that they have a social worker, and this social worker is referring them to a community-based organization for X services. And that's all that's really important for the family to know that their needs are going to be met by a community-based organization um, that understands their needs because they're actually in the communities that they live in. So it's been a long process, but we're all committed to ensuring that it's a seamless process and all parties understand their roles so that we are supporting the families through um, the soft handoff from one agency to the community-based provider. In addition to the monthly calls, CFSA and partner staff meet to cross-train and learn more about each other's roles. CFSA also collaborates to deliver prevention services with Mary's Center, a health center that focuses on the social, emotional, and physical health of everyone who engages in their services and programs. I spoke to Alex Harvey, who oversees the Parents' Teachers Home Visiting Program and supports the family workers as they engage and partner with young families who are themselves in the care of CFSA and are parents of young children. 
The Parents as Teachers program itself um, is really focused on preventing abuse and neglect. And so there are built into our program right right away is this kind of emphasis on developing and working with parents uh, to engage and find those skills that help avoid those issues later on down the line. And so again, it's just a, a parallel in, in our goals. In general, we have a long history of building partnerships throughout the district. This program in particular, we are we work closely with the social workers assigned to these parents by way of getting the referrals from them and then engaging in some initial conversations um, to help us outreach and really start connecting with, uh, with that parent. We work with other agencies in terms of using space to deliver our services outside of one of our agencies, um, but in a location that is more convenient for that family um, to right, reduce barriers to getting to us so they can get the most out of what it is they're, they're looking to get. And I think it's also helpful in, in a way that's maybe not measurable, but to hear from the social worker right, how engaged that mom is um, with their child or just to hear how passionate the social worker is about, oh, I like this family. I love going to go see them. Um, you know, this family, you know, we started off this way, but there's a lot of growth. And, and, and that is, I think, also encouraging to hear um, just over the phone at that initial conversation. And, you know, there's stuff that's there. There's information about families that you don't think to put on paper that can be incredibly helpful, right? They give you a phone number, but it's only through dialogue that you learn. Um, they don't answer, but if you text them, it'd be really great, you know, and that can be really key to, to getting that, that mom involved, right? Knowing, oh, they're in school, so outside of school hours, right? The, just those little things are surprisingly very helpful <laughs> um, that you don't think to even question when you just receive the paper information. Um, so that has been, that's been great. How families are reporting their experiences in our program um, and how connected they feel um, outside of our program too. We again want to make sure that in the absence of PAT or the family support worker, right, they know, the, the parents know who they can call, when they need to call, um, and that they are confident in their abilities, right, to be their child's first teacher. They know what to expect. They are prepared to go forth and, and advocate for themselves and their child. After talking with a few of CFSA's partners, I asked Robert and Natalie what they hoped these family-first efforts would bring, how they might define success. Understanding that, again, as I said previously, that even if we didn't have this legislation, this is what D.C. believes we should be doing for our children and families. Um, this is something we believe we need to do because we've taken the time to really thoughtfully think about what's needed, what supports are needed. What success looks like for me um, can vary. Um, one, we're doing this for the children and families. So when we're looking at from a safety lens, it's to ensure that we are reducing maltreatment or the reoccurrence of maltreatment if it has happened before. Um, success to me looks like where we would not have families recycle back to our attention and, and that mainly will 
probably lie in in how we how well we do prevention um, and how well we partner with our community-based providers. Um, success is also having the ability to continue our partnership as we have um, a back and forth dialogue as to what's needed in the community. Um, although we can't quantify that, but the success that partners feel like they have a voice is, is also important and essential. I want to say ditto to that because we do so much of, I mean, our, our outcomes and how we measure success and how we even hold our partners accountable is the same measures that we're looking at ourselves. And beyond that, I'd say that a lot of our work has focused around how to engage the health and human services cluster and how to make sure all of our social service safety net organizations are really thinking about how you know we share some of the same families and we are doing so much work to ensure that the same family doesn't touch our systems and how do we better collaborate and partner to ensure that a family touched by one organization doesn't have to be touched by other organizations if there's not a need to and that we're really having that no wrong door approach to how we serve um, how we serve families and I think our work on the prevention uh, plan and our Families First DC initiative are really leading the way for us to continue to engage our sister agencies and our cluster in a way that uh, we deeply understand each other's work and that from a leadership level to a worker level we're able to um, really inform service delivery in a way that's reducing bureaucracy and creating really um, great customer customer family experiences that we're really looking to support families that way. You said it in a nutshell, though, no wrong door. No wrong door. Thanks for listening to the sixth episode of the podcast series, How We Partner with the Community to Improve Service Options. The District of Columbia's CFSA was able to build on their well-developed collaborative relationships to strengthen their network of front door, front porch, and front yard services. It's clear that CFSA and their partners keep families at the center of their planning processes so that prevention services respond to the needs of individual communities, and families really do come first. What did you hear that you might be able to use to help your agency shift the focus of the child welfare system toward prevention services? I hope this episode has left you inspired and sparked some ideas that you can put into practice at your agency. This podcast was created by the Capacity Building Center for States, funded by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Administration for Children and Families, Children's Bureau, under contract number HHSP 233201 5000 71I.